Hello, and welcome to this special series of episodes called 29 Days of Magic. During Black History Month, the month of February, I'll be interviewing a Black woman a day who's from business and entrepreneurship. You name it, I'm going to have a chat with her. The idea for this is to show off the amazingness of Black women throughout various industries. I hope you take a listen, like, share, review, and be inspired by these incredible stories. Take a listen. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Mignot, CEO of the Cultural Communications Agency, D-Flash. Each episode, I bring in a different business leader who's doing some game-changing work. And this episode is no different. I am so excited to have Deborah Ashley, who's a LinkedIn black belt, which means she's a strategist, she knows how to navigate it. It's gonna be a fantastic and insightful conversation. Take a listen. Hey, Deborah. Hi, Laura, how are you? Good, causing trouble as always. Uh, <laughs> thanks for having me here. Oh, my pleasure. Um, you know, it's it's fun. It's so much fun doing 29 Days of Magic because I'm always fascinated by the folks who get introduced to me or who, who, or who self-select and, and come on board. And when I right, reading it, you're a LinkedIn black belt. It was like, oh, got to have Deborah on because I, I need to learn more about this also my LinkedIn strategy is not the best. So I'm gonna be picking your brain quite a bit. <laughs> sure. Um, but the first question of the podcast never changes. And so, Deborah, what was your first job? Well, my first job was, and the interesting thing, because I graduated from school very early. So I believe I, I don't remember if I lied about my age or if I made up my age. Of course, I had my permit um, to get a job in retail. So it was a cashier at a store in New York called Steinbacks. It was Orbacks before, and then they switched over to Steinbacks. So really, really fun first job. And what did you do? Um, I was just, I was, well, I shouldn't say just, I was a cashier. Um, I guess, I'm, obviously at that point, before anything else, we like, you know, put out the clothes on the floor and I also rang up customers. But because I was so young, I believe I was 15. Um, yeah. legal in New York. <laughs> well, that's why I was like, okay, was I 16 or was I 15? But I believe I was 15. Um, pretty much most of my check, my paycheck just went to buying all the cool, you know, this is when Bonjour jeans were out on Sergio Valente's and stuff like that. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Everybody, you're giving away your age. <laughs> mind, I don't mind. <laughs> Sergio Valente's, wow. I was so little when that stuff came out. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, so you go from being a cashier to a black belt on LinkedIn. What was that career journey like? So, all right. So obviously, um, you know, that I was a cashier before um, I got to college and I'm from a Caribbean um family. So it's not even, okay, what do you do after high school? You go to college. Of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I went to college, um, got into marketing, which I absolutely loved. It was natural and it was very easy for me. Um, as soon as I finished in marketing, I worked um, for a little while in the, um, the, fashion, the publishing industry in New York. And then I went over to work for a, um, a jewelry manufacturer as a production coordinator. While I was there, um, I, I worked with the, uh, the product manager, the, um, you know, the, the people who developed the entire product line and bring it to market. And I was really fascinated with that. Um, so I you know, pretty much looked up, how do you become a product manager? Of course, it's not just 
applying for the job in the book it said you have to get an MBA yeah so, slight change like a little bit a little bit I know I'm like can't I just look like, I should have just you know but we don't we know what we know now so um applied to get my MBA ended up going to Temple University um did a little bit of work um worked for the SBDC as part of my uh, my assistantship my graduate assistantship so I really got involved in economic development, but the fabulous part about that, um, I ended up getting a job in New York's fashion industry. And it was part of an organization that was funded by, um, I believe the state or was, it could have been the federal level, helping um, New York based or US based designers to export their products overseas, to sell their products overseas. So I had this most wonderful job um, that entailed bring in, um, because these, are, these were smaller design houses, so bringing all of their products to Italy and England and these different fashion shows um, to meet with buyers and distributors. So isn't that nuts? Uh, yes. <laughs> just, just fun and nuts. Um, so, you know, that, and I didn't, I, I, obviously I was still very young, right? I was in my early twenties um, and the fashion industry is very cutthroat. Mm -hmm. um, but I was this, you know, young girl wet behind the ears and nothing like I didn't experience anything bad. I think the, the worst thing that I experienced actually. Um, so when we got back from the fashion shows, typically we would write up a report for the design houses, let them know what the buyers thought about their wares and developed a strategy for them on moving forward. So I remember I'm going to age myself again. I remember my um, director also came to the shows. He represented a group of clients. I represented a group of clients. And um, so I sent my report to him. Like I, I, I brought my report into his office just to, for him to check to make sure, because he's been doing this for a while. And then later on that day, I was at the fax machine. Um, the fax machine. Exactly. Remember those, right? And I was at the fax machine picking something up and I saw my report, but I was like, this looks weird. It didn't have my name on it. It has his name on it. So he had pretty much copied my, my report, changed the client name and put his name on there. So yeah, that, that was like that, that kind of like that first experience of, oh, is this how we do things mm -hmm. in this world? Um, um, you know, I, I don't, I didn't say anything actually. I'm the type now that I would say something, but I didn't say anything at the type, but I mean, at the time, because I mean, he's a director, right? Like right. that was a mistake. Clearly it was a mistake. I'm seeing things. Um, so I pretty much just like kept quiet and sat there, but later on it, it, it kind of, the, the great thing about New York and being from New York and, and when they do say, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Um, it gives you this mind of, uh, being two steps forward. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, you just have to kind of, and I'm not that, and, you know, just growing up, I'm not that type. I grew up in a protect, a very overprotective environment, but it's still important to realize that, okay, there might be a, a person or two out there that's not for your best interest. Um, mm -hmm. So it helped me to kind of, um, you know, open my voice, um, share my voice, be okay with speaking up for myself. And I've even become this person where if I see someone who is not standing up for themselves and they're either being told bad information or they're being bullied in some way, I will stand up for them. Like my biggest thing is I never want to see anyone, um, I never want to see anyone being taken advantage of. So, and that could be the Leo in me also. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, it's funny, like um, I can always tell when I have 
fellow Caribbean guests on there because it's like, of course I'm going to college. What are you, of course, what are you talking about? Exactly. <laughs> what else is there? <laughs> what? No. Where, where are your family from? Jamaica. I um, had a feel. I had a feeling. Really? A, a fellow Yachty. Oh, <laughs> nice. Um, I am. I, my parents are Jamaican, and I'm from England. So I'm one of those kids. Same, same here. My parents met in England and that's where we were born. Where about in England? Um, South London in, um, in Croydon. <laughs> I was about to say, don't say Croydon. <gasps> Are you serious? Yes, don't say, let me see what's the name of the street. Um, Milford Lane, is that a street? What? Is that, is that the wait, song? Wait, tell me you're joking. No. Are we related? Um, <laughs> Wait, I so I I grew up on at 50 Milford Road. No. No. Wait a minute. <laughs> we're still we're still recording, of course, but this is amazing. <laughs> Wait a second. This Where is easy. Okay, Bur- do you know the Burrells? Do you know the Ashley? Well, you, you wouldn't know because you know my last name's Ashley. Um, yeah, I mean I was three when we left. Okay, okay, um, okay. Yeah. Um and we lived there in the late, well, my parents, I think were there for like 10 years, maybe? We left in the early eighties. Wow, okay, okay, we were already born. Um, but yeah, so, but my parents were there in the seventies. Um, yeah, and because before that they were in uh, Mitcham. Oh, uh, and, oh my God. You know my family. I, I, I feel like they will. Yeah, if they would, yeah, they know my family. Cause I was like, cause I'm like, she sounds like she's Jamaican English, but I'm like, let me not say that right now. <laughs> Funny. So we're probably cousins. <laughs> we are, and if not, we are. Yeah. Uh, and if not, yeah, so we are. Um. Yes. Oh my God, you're from Mouth Road. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna tell my yes. mom later. <laughs> and this is why I love this podcast because I get to meet so many amazing women. So like, also who could be relatives. Um. But yeah, so like, you know, like, it's like, oh, because you come here and you're, it's a completely different universe, but like, you're like, oh, of course we're going to college. Of course you're going to buy a house. Like, that's what you do, right? Exactly. Uh, You don't have a choice. Oh, you you need another degree? Go, get it. I know. (laughs) It's not just about applying for the job. It's about getting the degree to get the next job. To the next job. And she's like, and have you bought a house yet? No, mom. Why not? Like, when I was your age, you know what? Oh, my God. Yeah, my parents met in England and um, and got married and lived there for 20 odd years and then came here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but yeah, my parents came, left Jamaica in the early 60s, right after independence. Okay. Randomly met. Uh, And yeah, and that's kind of how it is. Yes. Parents went to school and that's how they met. Yeah, same. Like, wait, is your mom a nurse? (laughs) Yes, of course she's a nurse. Of course, course. like my mom. So in Jamaica, now my father works after England, they were, um, uh, he was a pharmacist. So a hospital, Cornwall Regional Hospital, which, you know, they recruited him to, to head the pharmacy department. So that's where I think we lived there for two years before, you know, everything brought something, whatever the big thing happened was happening in Jamaica was too much. There was civil unrest in America. (laughs) You know, I don't remember, but that's so funny. Oh my gosh, that's so wild. Oh my gosh. The same street? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> the world is big. The world is actually very, very tiny. 
Um, and I grew up in, and I'm in New York. So I'm in New York. I'm in my family. Oh, we all moved, we moved to New York because that's what you do as well. Like you leave England, you come to New York. That's, yes, yes. that is the stop. Yes. <laughs> and like, and we live in Queens, then we'll do it Long Island. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Okay, good. You have, the, you have the whole roadmap or can if you don't do Canada, of course. Canada is the other, is the other, those are the only options, either Canada <laughs> or New York. Like right. that is the, <laughs> there is no other way. <laughs> you can the playbook, and you have to follow the playbook. By the if you leave Jamaica, there's a playbook. That's how you do. It is. It is kind of crazy to me that that actually is the playbook. Where you're like, yep. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so when you talk to folks, they're like, of course. Oh yeah, your parents did that too. Yeah, my parents did that too. Oh, your parents did that too. Yeah, same. Because <laughs> like, wow. I, you didn't have a choice. Like, uh, that that's literally how you grew up. But it's interesting because I always find it fascinating because our upbringing is just different than you know our fellow black american counterparts like mm -hmm. we just grew up differently like, like your parents our parents are crazy <laughs> exactly well we thought they were crazy when we were younger but then when you get older you realize look actually they did act they figured it out in all yeah, kinds of ways very, yeah the discipline and it's a very good job of of how we were grown up for sure right. It's fascinating. Um, so we figured out we're probably, we, we're definitely neighbors and possibly cousins, and this is ideal. <laughs> so, so how do you become the LinkedIn black belt? So like you've been doing all this great work in fashion and then you're like, okay, now what? Well, you know, I always, in my mind, and it's probably from growing up, I'm like this nomad, right? So I was working in, um, I was at that time, I went to Temple University for grad school, was a commuting to New York every single day until I was just like, I can't do keep doing this. Um, and then I ended up, this is like around the time of the Olympics, right? So then everyone's like, go to Atlanta, home of the brave, land of the free. You're a black person. You have to be in Atlanta. Uh, oh, yes. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> So um, my brother and sister were already living there. So I ended up um, um, moving to Atlanta, which was cool because I ended up as a product manager. This is like right around this when startups were really booming. Um, ended up at a product as a product manager for a tech startup firm. You know, the funny thing with that, because I'm, I'm a definitely a marketing person. I would be in these meetings with these um, engineers and you because they're building out this whole infrastructure as a software company. And they're talking about the different things like sandboxes and all of this stuff. And I'm just like, okay, I'm leading this meeting, but I have no idea what they're talking about. Um, so it was kind of cool. You know, I was kind of like in my, I guess, mid twenties, all of the people there were very, very young. These were, and it's kind of like what's going on now. All of these very, very young kids are getting like millions of dollars to like, you know, startup companies. Um, so I did that for a while, um, ended up working for, uh, uh, um, I think you're probably familiar with a company called Ideal Image. And then they moved me um, to the corporate office, worked there for a while. And then one day I woke up and I'm like, I'm kind of bored. Um, I've, had, I've had other businesses in the past. And I was like, um, you know, I was on Instagram and here's, here's the crazy thing. I was on Instagram one day and um, long before I knew that it was like this world of business owners um, and this whole community and I was just sharing content, but then I decided to share some marketing content. Let me share some stuff that I know about marketing and people were like fascinated. They were excited because I think my voice is very uh, different than what you typically see online just because I've lived it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so then someone tagged me in a post. It was a realtor looking for um, a marketing strategist to help her with her, you know, to, to market herself online. And I'm like, wait a minute, 
there's these people who've never met you in their life and they <laughs> want you to help them and they're going to pay you and they've never met you. Um, so yeah, it just sounds awesome. Exactly. It was like perfect timing because I was, it was about the time, you know, I got to this part of my career where I was doing very well financially, um, but I was absolutely bored. So I had enough, you know, this is Jamaican, right? Had enough money saved. That's a typical. Oh, of course. Right. <laughs> right. For every rainy day. Right. <laughs> so I actually, um, and I was shocked. I didn't think my parents, I thought my parents would think I was crazy, but I think after, as someone gets, as parents get older, they realize you're not going to stay into a, in a company and retire until you're, you know, 60, 70, 80. So I told them I'm actually going to um, leave and start my own business and do it full time. And they were excited for me. Um, so I was doing LinkedIn. Uh, sorry, I was doing Instagram for a while because um, that's the only platform I knew about. I happened to go to LinkedIn. I've always been on LinkedIn since 2009. I happened to go to LinkedIn just to update my um, profile, just to say that, I, you know, this is what I do now. Two days later, two different people reached out and they wanted me to help them to write a marketing plan. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like, uh, okay. But this was, this was before Microsoft bought LinkedIn. So it was still about resumes and recruiters. So I didn't, I didn't know this was, there was this whole world of business owners on LinkedIn. You know, I always call my people, they're, they're brilliant at what they do. They're not great at marketing what they do. So, um, you know, that happened on LinkedIn, not a big deal, but LinkedIn to me was intimidating at that point. So I wasn't going to do anything on LinkedIn. I, I had those clients. I was still hanging out on Instagram. At that point, I found Facebook too, as a community of business owners. Um, but I was still getting some clients from LinkedIn, but you know, it's kind of like I was, I definitely had a high level of imposter syndrome. So one day I was hanging out on LinkedIn, probably just, I decided to scroll the platform and I was just seeing a lot of bad advice. And this kind of goes back to, I don't like to see others taken advantage, of, taken advantage of. I was just seeing a lot of bad advice about here's how to use LinkedIn. Here is how to market yourself to get clients. And I'm thinking, that's not really, it's, it's a little misleading what people are putting out there. Um, so I decided to step up. Like I'm the type that if I see, I, I don't have to necessarily criti criticize someone. But if I see someone just sharing really horrible, bad information, I will now speak up and start to share from a different place. So at least those people can question what they're sharing because they're going to say, okay, this is kind of conflicting information. Can you share more versus going with just that that bad advice? So I started to, to, just like I was showing up on Instagram, I was showing up very heavy on LinkedIn, sharing some LinkedIn advice. And all of a sudden people were calling me like the queen of LinkedIn, <laughs> LinkedIn black belt and all of this stuff. And of course I was like, wait a minute, that's not Hold what on. I, exactly. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't, you know, um, but it, it's kind of cool um, because, you know, for me, I've always wanted to be that black woman because you don't see a lot of black women who step up and are really, being shown on LinkedIn, um, you mostly see like older white men, right? Uh, exactly. Thing. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I am the LinkedIn black belt. I'm gonna accept that. I'm gonna own it. Do it. Sorry. You gotta own it. That, that's who you are. Exactly. Exactly. And then from there, I was getting speaking engagements. I was getting um, obviously clients coming in from that. Let it, uh, you know, because I think there were people watching my journey. That's a good lesson that there are always people watching you. And they were like, oh my gosh, I've, I've seen that you went from not being known on the platform to developing your personal brand really quickly. How did you do it? 
Um, so yeah, I, um, I just kept on showing up. I just kept on showing up. And the interesting thing, you know, obviously, obviously up until COVID, um, I did a conference, I guess it was last January or February. Um, and I, I spoke at the conference and people knew me. Like, it's so funny when someone comes up to you and they're like, oh, you're the LinkedIn Black Girl from LinkedIn. And I'm like, huh? I don't, you know, I, I'm an introvert actually by heart, you know, by nature. And I'm just like, okay, this is awkward because I have no idea who you are. So um, yeah, things like that happened. And here I am now last year, just really incredible. I had 1 million content views on my, um, on my content on LinkedIn. So yeah, so cool. Oh my gosh. And so like how, all right. So now, so now, now I have to pick your brain. <laughs> how, like, so what are some good tips for folks who are trying to optimize LinkedIn? Cause I've seen, and even I'm doing this myself. I, I have seen LinkedIn be leveraged a lot more for my, my business and my personal mm -hmm. career than any other platform because it is sort of the professional resume, but in living, breathing form. Uh, and it, it's been fascinating to see how like my views have gone up, but the more stuff I push out, the more, the more, the more views that I get. Right. Um, but it's, it's actually all salient stuff. It's not like, you know, here's what I had for lunch. Um, <laughs> no, so what, right. so what's, what are some like good, like helpful, easy tips folks can learn to kind of get started to, to help building out their profiles? Yeah, yeah. So the biggest uh, foundation will be the profile because no matter whether someone takes the look, you know, they Google your name and they find you, they're typically going to be LinkedIn as the first two, um, you know, line items in Google, or they find your content, they're always going to go back to your profile because they're curious. So the, the biggest thing that you have to work on first would be the profile. Um, your banner, you want to remove that default blue banner because m too many people have that and you want to be able to use that to stand out from the crowd. I kind of call that the prime real estate. So when someone uh, visits your profile, you have about what, four, three, four seconds to, to really grab them. And your only job is to make them stay on the profile and read more. Um, so you want to use that banner uh, image to create a narrative of who you are and what you do and how you want to position yourself. The picture is going to be super important too, because that's the first introduction. When no longer, at least for now, in a place where someone's going to meet you at a networking event, people are, they're going to meet you on LinkedIn. So you want to make sure that you have, it doesn't have to be a stuffy dressed up look, but you want to make sure that you're representing your brand. Um, you know, LinkedIn is, is mostly about developing your personal brand in order for people to uh, fall in love with who you are and want to work with you. So the headline is going to be important too. And the headline's not necessarily about, you know, I'm this wonderful, amazing person. It's about what problem do you solve for the person who's interested in working with you? Um, whether you're a career professional or anything else, you're always solving a problem um, with the work that you do. So that headline's going to be really important. And it's really, I don't really like that. I help, you know, so-and-so do X so they can get to this Y. It's more for me, I, I like if you talk about, you know, I guide or empower people to whatever their, whatever that solution they need. Um, if you do something very clean and simple and you, you avoid industry jargon, um, you will really connect to what they want. So it's, it's less about being resume focused, which is more about you and your accomplishments and being more customer or buyer focused, which is about what they need and want. So that would be helpful. 
those are those are great tips and it's funny because like I changed my I, I changed my LinkedIn profile uh what last summer to be mm-hmm. more unapologetic about actually what I do Love it. and it's fascinating how people have responded to that because like you, you get you get the deal <laughs> um, exactly it's like, you know, and like, you know, one of the lines that someone once said to me, like, aren't you afraid? Cause I broke, I use hammer and nails and brains to get stuff done. Love uh, I love and, it. Wow. <laughs> and so, cause I, I, whenever I do my kind of elevator pitch, that that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. And I remember someone saying to me like, well, are you worried that people are going to not take that seriously in, in your LinkedIn profile? Cause you said, I'm like, no, you're going to get it. Like, you know, that you're going to get someone who knows what they're doing will be forceful to make it move mountains but it's always strategic like that's what that means and for folks who vibe with that and like get it they're going to be the best kind of clients for you they're going to be the best kind of partners and folks who think that's weird will like just keep on spelling i'm like those are people who i don't want to work with anyway so yeah um, and it also sounds like when you call in those type of class customers they're either on the create they're okay with um showing who they are versus being this stuffy um, mask-like image of themselves. So they're either in that category where they're okay with showing up on a pet unapologetically, or they might be the stuffy type who wants, they want to show up more unapologetically. So either way, they're not gonna judge you. They look up to you and they're just like, oh my God, this person is awesome. I need to get in their world. So yeah, I think it's a good way to, to push away those who are just going to be, not gonna be the right type of client for you. Yeah, it's kind of like dress for the job that you want. Mm-hmm. So, and and in LinkedIn, in a way, that is like you know you are, you are doing that kind of dress rehearsal for the job that you want Absolutely. on this platform. Yeah. So you know, if you don't bring the your best you, then you won't be able to get there. So I'm sure building a business like this has not been the easiest thing in the world. What have been some challenges along the way, and how have you kind of gotten through them? You know, I think the biggest challenge because. You know, in my corporate career, I've always been fairly successful. So my biggest challenge has been around the imposter syndrome. I came online, I just expected, oh, look, here I am. I have an MBA. Of course you want to hire me, but no one cares about that, unfortunately. They care somewhat on LinkedIn, I can say, but what I've found that people care more about is, can you help me solve the problem that I have? Even though I have a, you know, a, a, a long uh, experience in marketing, it, I, did, I wasn't really communicating that the right way because I just figured everyone would figure it out. Everyone would know. Um, but I always say like, if you don't tell people, they won't know. And if you're afraid to um, talk about yourself, you can still be humble, right? Um, but I wouldn't suggest being modest. So if you're afraid of being your own cheerleader, if you're afraid of putting yourself out there, if you're afraid of, um, you know, talking about your accolades, then no one's going to know that you exist. And you could be the, you could have the best solution for someone. You could do the most amazing work, but if no one knows that you exist, then what's the point, right? Um, so yeah, that was the, the the big problem for me. I remember when I was first hanging out in Facebook, on Facebook, I would do a lot of the Facebook groups, but I would be mostly a lurker. And we know there's all, there's so many, there's a majority of people who lurk, especially on LinkedIn, versus who show up and post. And I remember, um, you know, show, someone was sharing some content and I was just answering questions because I knew the answer to, to a specific question. And one lady said to me, well, how do you know all of this information? So I told her about my background and she was like, if I had your background, 
I would be fully booked at this point. And for like, it was like a year and a half where I was like pretty much struggling, not really struggling, but it was just like very hard for me to even meet clients. And that kind of woke me up. Like, you're right. I'm doing, I'm letting, I'm allowing others to show up confidently. And I'm the one who's the expert, you know? So that awesome. is, big, that was a big lesson for me. Yeah, I, it's, it's such a thing because, you know, sometimes you're like, well, I'm, I, do I have to do all this or should I do all this? And and getting that like, well, they're doing this and doing way better. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, okay. Like, I will figure this out and, and get to that level. You have and, to you know, yourself sometimes. You do. You absolutely do. You know, thinking about all of that, like, what do you think you'd probably tell mm, 25-year-old Deborah? Um, what would I tell 25 year old Deborah? Probably to have, and the, the funny thing when I was younger, I would hear a lot of people say, have more fun. So have more fun with it. Um, I think I was just very, and I'm still that type, very focused and, um, you know, on my career and what's next and all of that stuff. So just really have more fun, um, meet more people and leverage, uh, your relationships, like leverage your network and your relationships. You don't have to figure it out on your own. Yes, the, the relationship building is like the glue of it all. And we have to remember that like, we don't have to know every single thing. There right. are people out there who, if we build relationships with, we can ask them and they'll tell us. Like, because exactly. we can, there's that give and, give and take where like we all have stuff that we can give and people can and, and learn from other folks. Like it's, it can always be a reciprocal conversation and relationship that we can build. Right, yeah. That's one of the things I think, and I, I'm not quite sure where it came from, but growing up, maybe I, I'm the youngest, but I always thought I could Same. put things out. Okay, um, we might be twins actually. No, <laughs> um, Yeah, so I always thought I could figure it out on my own. So when mm -hmm. you want to do things for me, I would, you know, it's weird because I'm not this type, but I would think, okay, what do they want? Like, right. like super nice to me. And they're like, oh, I need to introduce you to so-and-so. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you're like why yeah. yeah yeah so I'm cool with it now yeah definitely it's important to have champions who, who will go to bat for you that's so awesome and and so necessary and so true um oh yes we might actually be twins um I'm the youngest of three <laughs> and I have okay. two older brothers <laughs> oh okay I'm the youngest of three but one brother one sister because see we are this yeah. is insane I cannot <laughs> Too funny. Too funny. We're so excited to have Soho Works as the sponsor for the 29 Days of Magic campaign. You know, they're designed by Soho House and their workspace is to help creative thinkers, businesses small and large, connect, collaborate, and grow. And it's where I'm recording all the episodes of 29 Days of Magic. It's a safe, wonderful, and collaborative experience. Uh, I'm currently in the Brooklyn location, but they have locations, one else in New York City, in the Meatpacking District, one in LA, five in the UK, and they give you that kind of home away from home feeling with all the tools, technology, equipment to help you do your best work. Uh, like I said, it's an amazing location, feel safe. I've you know been able to meet some really awesome people, which haven't been able to do a lot because of the fact of COVID. So it's been a wonderful experience being able to re record here and help build community. So if you want to find out more information about it, please go to SohoWorks.com to get more information and tell them I sent you. And now back to the show. So, you know, obviously, you know, you're doing all this really great work on LinkedIn. You're, you're getting all these amazing clients. What in the world do you do for self-care? Huh, I have to practice a lot more self-care. So what I do in the mornings, I, I pretty much meditate. 
just because I love some, because I'm more of a thinker. Um, I am practicing um, tapping into my intuition and getting more from there. I, I'm told that I'm very intuitive and that I manifest easily. I mean, that's when I'm not overthinking it, right? Um, right. I'm trying to meditate a lot more so I can get a lot more, you know, messages and, and signals and things like that. And then when I remember, I go to the store and I buy myself flowers. I'm trying to do it on a weekly basis. It doesn't always happen. Um, but yeah, self-care is mo mostly the meditation in the mornings and then some affirmations that I do at night. That's awesome. I, I love the buying yourself flowers thing. I, I try and do that um, at least once or twice a month. Yeah. Um, I always proper Jamaican. I have to have fresh flowers in my house. Nice. <laughs> love it. I believe it's a rule or something. <laughs> Again, in the, in the playbook. In the playbook, so. yeah. I try to do orchids, but they just don't want to stay with me longer than a month. So I'm like, okay, let's, I, I won't do it. So. Yeah, it ends up being roses because they last the longest. Like I've tried, I've tried orchids, I've tried cow lilies, nothing lasts. So roses at least will get you a good seven to 10 days. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to try those next. Awesome. And then one final question for you. Do you have a give and or ask of the audience? So a give, um, I always, from the time I was little, I've always, I've always been into personal development books. Um, one book that I discovered um, very in my teens was, uh, I'm not sure if you've read The Four Agreements by mm -hmm. Don Miguel Ruiz. Very, very great book. It helps you to understand that a lot of things that go on whether in your environment or anything else, it's not really about you. Um, you know, if you're if you have experiences with someone, it might be things that they're going through. So with the four agreements, it's about you know be impeccable with your word. So it's really just you know be who you say you are and show up the way that you you want to and you need to. Don't take anything personal, which of course is about you know if something if someone might be having a bad day, you never know what's going on in someone's life, so you should never take that personal. Don't make assumptions, same type of concept, and always do your best. And then if you show up that way, you know, kind of like in other words, kind of mind your own business, show up that way, and, you know, things will, I'm not going to say they always work out perfectly, but things will start to work out for you. That's great. And so true. I mean, I read that, I read the book when I was in college, and like, I've tried to follow that along. And, but, and it, the hardest one is like, it's not about you. Like, yeah because you're like well what have i done like why are they so evil and it's like oftentimes it's just that's them yeah and as hard as that is like letting that kind of go um frees up your brain frees up your heart frees up just everything once you sort of like not on me <laughs> like uh so it really uh, provides some awesome advice that's a great that, that is a great gift deborah <laughs> you Awesome. Well, Deborah, it has been such a delight having a chat with you. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe we were neighbors. Like, I know. Excited about this. Like, um, but this shows, but this is also, you know, again, part of the way that um, I love doing this series because I get to meet so many phenomenal women like yourself and just share amazing commonalities and also let people know that you exist and you do this great work and they should reach out to you and be like, Come on, sad as ever. So we'll put all of these in the show notes so folks can um, find you. But thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thanks so much, Laura. I really appreciate it. Likewise. And that is our show.